Hey, this is Craig Cannon, and you're listening to Y Combinator's podcast. Today's episode is with Laura Barons Wu. She is the CEO and co-founder of Shippo. Shippo is a multi-carrier shipping API, so that means Laura knows a ton about shipping, and we went over a bunch of that in this episode. One of the fun facts is that you can ship a 20-inch alligator in the mail, uh, which I had no idea you could do. And um, if you want to read the transcript to this one, it is at blog.ycombinator.com, and the video is up there as well. All right, here we go. How about we just start with a quick intro? Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. My name is Laura. I run a company called Shippo. We power shipping for e-commerce. What that means is we connect our customers who are e-commerce stores, platforms, and marketplaces to a network of different shipping providers. And then we help them figure out which provider to use for which one of their packages. The reason why people care about shipping today is that shipping directly affects conversion rates. So it's no longer just a means to an end to get your item from A to B. E-commerce stores, they needed to be able to convert their customers because customers are expecting free and fast shipping. Amazon Prime has taught them that. And whenever they see uh, shipping rates at checkout that are unexpected or too high, they drop off and they go to Amazon to try to find the same things. Okay. And so how does your customer interact with Shippo exactly? Yeah. So it's an API. It's a RESTful API that they can integrate. Either um, they integrate the API or they use the dashboard that we've built on top of the API. Both works. If you integrate the API, there's more flexibility. You can do more with that. Um, SMBs that are just getting started that don't have developers in-house, they typically just use the out-of-the-box dashboard solution. Okay. And so what's what's a normal customer of yours like? Like, What do they make? What do they sell? So a normal customer of ours... They're an e-commerce store that's, they sell products that are differentiated. They have their own brand. They don't want to sell their products on Amazon. They want to own their own brand experience, sell through their own e-commerce store and, um, ship typically either out of their own workshops or their own, or a warehouse, a 3PL that, uh, takes care of shipping for them. Okay. And so what's a 3PL for people oh, who aren't in, are in the a, game? A third party logistics provider. Okay. And did you know anything about this stuff? before 2013 <laughs> when you guys started i did not and uh like i would never have imagined that <laughs> i now know all of these things it yeah it's been crazy i started this as like a complete logistics noob and i <laughs> got into e-commerce by pure chance when trying to build an e-commerce store on the site together with my co-founder simon mm-hmm. we built an e-commerce store using shopify it was a really easy solution and it was just a fun thing to do on the site and then when we tried to integrate um, or connect with different shipping providers we realized that the technology experience provided by shipping providers was just so different compared to the technology experience provided by shopify or stripe like we the the shipping providers aren't tech companies so their api documentations aren't as great and intuitive you have to be a logistics expert to be able to read the documentations um, sometimes you have to request api access or it's a soap api it's just strange to us that <laughs> everything's been solved except for the shipping component and it is, it is a frustrating experience so we were like why is there nothing comparable to Twilio or Stripe in the shipping industry. Um, let's give that a try. And were there other like kind of critical understandings that you didn't quite get in the beginning that now are, are like obvious as integral to running a shipping company? Yes. Um, we were learning on the job. I mean, we didn't know anything about shipping back then. And we tried to solve shipping from the customer perspective. And I think that was a good perspective to have. So we weren't influenced by 
the restrictions coming from a shipping industry, we're able to look at it from the perspective of this is how an e-commerce store wants it to be. And this is what modern technology looks like. Let's build it like that. Um, I would say like we back then, I'd say underestimated just how different the different shipping providers are there. Like there is no standard across different shipping providers, not in terms of pricing, not in terms of technology. They're all totally different. And building that layer of, of abstraction on top was harder than expected. But that's now also a great competitive advantage. Yeah. Mm, okay. Because yeah. who are your competitors right now? Um, so there are a couple of incumbents out there like Stamps and Disha Pitney Bowes. Yeah. And then there is another company in this space called Easy Post. Like we would consider them our main competitors or the most comparable companies out there. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so as I was listening to a bunch of the, the podcast interviews you've done before, I've heard you talk about many of the same things because, yeah. you know, like it's obvious that you want to talk about shipping and you're excited okay. about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm super excited about shipping. <laughs> uh, I, one of the questions I kind of wanted to start off with then is like, what are you passionate about that you don't get asked about a lot? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, so I think what I would like to do more of is traveling, running, and reading. Okay. Um, there is not that much to say about all these things to yourself. Like, okay, wait. When I go travel, I think leaving the valley, as soon as I leave the valley, I'm able to see or look at things from a different perspective. I'm not in the nitty-gritty details anymore. I don't really care about how it's being done operationally, I can think about the big picture and come back with great ideas. And then also just look at how people, like last year I traveled to a wedding in in the UK and there was no cell reception in like that little village where the wedding was. People were still living there. They didn't care. Like people were living <laughs> in a village without cell reception. <laughs> Helps me realize how things here in the valley are just not like they're not normal and they are maybe solving the problem for a small amount of the population, but that's not how everyone thinks out there. Mm. Yeah. And we for sure want to build solutions that are for more people than just people living in the Valley. Yeah. Because you guys are, I mean, if you're selling to small businesses, right. That are like trying to differentiate themselves and not go on Amazon. How do you reach out to them if they're not necessarily even that technical? Yeah. So I'd say like small businesses, is one area that we're selling into. We're also selling into platforms and marketplaces. And then anyone who wants to compete with Amazon, it can also be a bigger business. One of our customers, for instance, is eBay. That's on the, on the marketplace side. But we've learned that it's really hard to sell someone a shipping solution if they're not looking. Like it's not, it's not something that other people are passionate about, right? So we typically, it's more an inside sales process. When people are looking, when something is wrong, something's broken, too expensive, uh, shipping is vital enough that they do pretty thorough research and then they will find us at some point. And when they find us, we want to capture them at their intent and make sure that they're finding what they want to find. So like having the right keywords, having the right landing pages, and just handing them exactly what they're looking for. Um, but we like, it's, it's really difficult to get someone excited about shipping when it's not a need. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So before we started, you were talking about people, you know, like basically connecting all these things together now. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you said it wasn't a fully formed idea, Yeah. but like, yeah, what what are you thinking? No, what I was thinking is like, it's easier than ever today to build your e-commerce store online. You don't have to be a developer. There is less upfront cost because you don't need to invest into a physical retail uh, location. Everything's online. You get Shopify, you get Stripe, you get, 
like Shippo maybe or another shipping provider, like Facebook ads, everything is out there. You just connect it together. And then like you don't have to build your own infrastructure anymore. All you have to do is find or make a product that is differentiated enough so that it's not like out there on Amazon or somewhere else where people can undercut you in terms of price. And then you need to build <laughs> an emotional connection with your customer. I think e-commerce today is a lot about storytelling. It's about like making sure that customers connect with you and like develop some sort of feeling or attachment for you. And then you use the channels like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, if you're like a millennial or Gen <laughs> Z, whatever those generations are called, like you use the right channels to reach, to reach your audience and you tell a personal story to them. And then people are proud, like to wear, I don't know, all birds or to travel with their it's called always. Is it whatever that like luggage that thing is. is called? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it seems like, oh, and then there's the unboxing experience. Like every part from when you ship the item to when the customer receives it, like every step is carefully coordinated. You get the box, you unbox it. People film themselves unboxing it. And it's, it's a huge hit on, on YouTube or you, um, Packages, packaging is being designed to look pretty on Instagram so that people can take pictures and share it with uh, their followers. Yeah. So that was, that was just my thought, how infrastructure is, um, how people don't need to invest in infra in building their own infrastructure anymore. It's available out of the box and how today e-commerce is all about like getting your customers to feel something for you, to feel attached to, to your product. Yeah. And I think you're, we're seeing a lot of companies, both, you know, YC, like venture backed and not venture backed companies that are really crushing it. Is is there anyone out there that you think is doing it particularly well? You mentioned Allbirds and the, this yeah. luggage thing. Yeah. Um, maybe someone who's, who's less well known that maybe even your customer that's doing it really well that you can like you can point to a reason why they're successful. Yeah. So I think Glossier is pretty well known as well. Um, do you, should I talk about Glossier or something less well known? I think they're good. Glossier, Not yeah. everyone knows about them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Glossier is this um, makeup company. And I think I, I know her story, Emily's story, just from reading about it. I think she started as a blogger, just creating a great following with unique content online. And then when she had that following and people were like looking at her as an authority in the beauty blogging space, she was able to launch her own beauty line. And that like on Instagram... The pictures are are beautiful. It's all it's I think it's the the product, the packaging looks like it's designed for Instagram. When I get the box, you open it, there are stickers in there, um, there's a little pouch in there, so stuff that I didn't order that she's giving me for free, and I'm excited about it, and I see people posting about it. And on Instagram, people are engaging with the blog post with with the posts and the comments, and she gives out referral codes so people keep talking about it and refer their customers, uh, th their friends, I mean. And then um, they also oh they reblog or re regram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not up to date with all yeah. these like fancy terms, but they regram. If I post a picture of Glossier, they will, and it gets a lot of likes, they might regram it on their um, professional side. So I am incentivized to like post something so that I can get more followers if they regram it. It's, yeah, it's, I think they're doing a phenomenal job just making sure that their followers are being engaged on the right channels, the channels that they're active on, and um, that it's, not that corporate. Like it does not, when I look at their, their site, I don't get a corporate feeling. I get the feeling that it's a girlfriend telling me about makeup. 
So it's working? Like you're in the demographic and it's working on you? (laughs) Oh, and the other thing is like, you can't find it on Amazon. You can't find it anywhere else except for on their site. And that's the great part. Like if you sell a product that is too generic, um, someone else can sell it on Amazon and it's easily uh, replaceable or interchangeable. And then Amazon has some like... You have Amazon Prime, so you save on shipping. Um, it's convenient, and you just get everything on there. Mm. Is anyone? I'm trying to think of a good example of someone doing well on Amazon and outside of it. Like, I don't see a lot of that. Mm. I so I think mega brands. I yeah. what I'm seeing, or what I hear from friends who run e-commerce stores, is they have tried Amazon as a channel, but it's basically just cannibalizing themselves, and it's not. They prefer to keep their own brands or to be able to manage their own brands on their own websites to have to create that experience, to create the feeling mm. and the, the loyalty. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Because I like they don't give you a lot of analytics around discovery. I mm, actually yes. I wrote a book about um, shipping containers yeah. with my oh, friends. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did a we did a Kickstarter a couple of years ago. Yeah. And Amazon's been, I mean, we were immediately like on there afterward because yeah. we, we spent the, like the extra Kickstarter money yeah. buying more books. Yes. Um, and so it's been super easy to sell. And I don't really know like if we would have captured fewer sales because we weren't on Amazon. Um, because that, discovery wise, like I think it has like, you know, less than 10 reviews. So I don't feel like we're getting sales that way. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I see. I see what you're saying. So if it's like if you're selling something on Amazon, what you the customer will also see other products that are comparable which means that customers might get directed to your competitors products and if it's not something that's like heavily reviewed there is no incentive for the customer to buy your product versus another product that's been on amazon for longer that has more reviews that's interesting yeah i i think amazon is great for generic purchases but it, it's really like you don't see Amazon making funny jokes on Twitter as a corporate account. Like you don't see anyone tagging Amazon in their Instagram posts. It's just that people in their free time don't enjoy like it's not a brand that people think about or talk about. It's this generic, convenient and pragmatic thing, but it's not this emotional thing. At least I'm not attached to. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think then that like Amazon will like uh, completely like take over all these prepackaged meal kits now Ooh, like is, like, is that a thing that's actually brand differentiated or not so yesterday i saw one of my friends post on twitter that normally he would never like make this peach based sauce for dinner <laughs> but because blue apron sent him a kit with peaches in there and a recipe for like whatever peach dish he was making it and he was loving it that's why he loves blue apron because it gets him out of like just cooking the same thing every day and cooking something special in the same amount of time um i don't know if amazon if like blue apron is differentiated enough but it seems like people get a homey feel from using blue apron products i i I don't know I i mean look at all the copycats right Yes. Like they're in every vertical. Yes. So, I mean, maybe they're just two different yeah. markets. And it's so, like, yeah. Like, personally, I am way too pragmatic. I just get my groceries. I cook what my mom taught me to cook. And that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> okay. So, you yeah, might be so there. I might, I might be the, the wrong target audience okay. here. Well, then what about all oh, the. Oh, but wait, yeah. funny story. Like, Blue Apron, 
when they when they send you stuff and it's like one egg in a packaging and it, the the egg is labeled egg and I'm like I know this is an egg. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting. I don't know. Well, like, stupid. <laughs> it does make you feel a little gross when you're like, I think Trader Joe's for me at least is like the worst of them. Uh, you know, like everything's in a little plastic bag. And so I, I moved into an apartment a couple of years ago and I had bought so much from Amazon that I was taking out the recycling that day and I actually felt nauseous like as I was breaking down all these Amazon boxes. But talking about recycling the other trend that i'm seeing in e-commerce is peer-to-peer -peer selling that seems to be on the rise again hmm. people selling out of their own closets um, if we look at i don't know poshmark vinted Macari, ebay whatever those are called or even facebook marketplace like where stuff especially it seems like young women and mothers selling like used items and getting a lot of fun out of that plus having the personal connection with a seller so like selling out of their own closets telling the story about when they bought this item modeling this item themselves <laughs> yeah it's funny and then you like they put a handwritten card in there it's an interesting segment. so that is becoming more popular i yes we have a lot of those on our on our platform like using shipo to ship for their secondhand marketplaces and that's a fast growing segment i think it's still a very small segment in overall e-commerce of course yeah but um it's it's a growing one what about all those like box of the month clubs Ooh. are those still a thing yeah um i mean there's a box for everything yeah, these yeah. Days. yeah you can get well you name it everything. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i was surprised at just Loot Crate, for instance, is a big one that we're just looking at, and it's a it's a gamer specific box. And then they're like sex toy boxes, like really everything. Um, anyway, I think it's the convenience. And as soon as you subscribe to something, it is hard to unsubscribe. That's the other component there. Um, so, and then people like to be surprised. Like if you're already paying for it, it's like. You get, gave them your credit card number once and then you forget that it's a recurring payment and then you're just getting the box every month and you're making you so happy. All of that adrenaline and happiness, endorphin rush. Oh, and then get one for your dog and your cat as well. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I think a lot of those people are like infamously known for, you know, like you can sign up online and then you have to call in to cancel. It's like that kind of stuff. Um, are you, are oh, those and, on the rise though? Oh, sorry. And then you're, they're giving you the first box for free, but you have to give them your credit card number and then they charge you automatically afterwards. Yeah, classic. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know if they're on the rise still. It feels like something that was on the rise two or three years ago and now it's like dabbling, but it's not, I don't see it going away. But I'm also seeing that some of these box companies, they're also in addition to the, to the monthly box thing, they're, they're selling, having an e-commerce store where you can buy these items one off. Mm, okay. Then are you noticing any other trends? Because now I'm just realizing that like by being at the hub of all of this, oh, yeah. you kind of like see what businesses yes. are like taking yes. off. Yes. So we saw all of these uh, segways being shipped late uh, last year. Wait, segways or hoverboards? Uh, no, hoverboards. Yeah, yeah sorry. I mean, segways. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing for me. Yes, the hoverboards. We saw them being shipped. And then the USPS or the shipping providers actually had an extra regulation for hoverboards not allowing them to be shipped anymore because they were dangerous and exploding. They were exploding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also saw like a huge rise in vape companies signing up. That seemed to be a thing. Um, then there was this couple months where people loved sending each other um, just like, like 
joke items. There was this when you when you open the package, it's like glitter coming oh, out. Oh, that was you guys. You that were related. <laughs> okay. Wait, we weren't selling them. We were just shipping them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so that was big. Or like we even had poop in a box. I don't know if it was real poop. I, we just see the name signing up and right. then you, like, get a don't kick. Don't really of, care. Yeah, we don't really care. And then. Oh, that was, that was a very smart idea, just financially, like having a message on a potato. It was like, I think $10 to get a potato shipped and the potato would have your message written on top of it. What? We had multiple of these stores. <laughs> so, so it's not in a box. It's not in a box. It just has it like a label stuck on it. And you guys do that? Just like random size, whatever. Whatever. I mean, we're, so we're, we're just providing the, the technology to print those shipping labels. They tell us size and weight and to and from address and you get a label, whatever mm. you want to ship. As long as it's like within the legal realm, we give you the label, you ship it. It's fine. Mm. Have you guys gotten a bunch of money for the, in the fidget spinner game? Are Ooh, you involved? I think the fidget spinners are too small to, uh, oh, no. make us money. <laughs> <laughs> Because you can put them in a letter. Yeah, okay. We want to ship something that is 3D. Oh, bummer. <laughs> what, what about um, uh, medical marijuana? Has that been Uh-oh. a trend at all? I think that is more like the on-demand delivery. So we, we have a couple of stores on our site that ship um, like accessories for that. Yeah. I think one of them is actually YC-affiliated called Billowbee. They're pretty big, like the nasty gal for vaping. Oh, <laughs> And other than like we ship the accessories, but I don't think marijuana is allowed to be shipped even in California. Yeah, I think so. um, like there there's on demand for that. Okay, like on demand delivery. I was just wondering if that if that trend was going like if folks are lobbying now to like get it like to get it within state le- shipping. Oh, or- here's the my favorite shipping fact. Um, out of some some like. Past days, it's still legal to ship an alligator with the USPS as long as it's what? smaller than 20 inches. Okay. Alive. <laughs> Alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, a baby alligator. Really? Yes. <laughs> How do you package an alligator? I have no idea. <laughs> it's not our problem. We give you the shipping label for the alligator. It's like it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys then, like, are you liable for anything? Like, if, if what is your problem? Yeah, so it's... It's in our in our terms of services, uh, what you're allowed to ship and what you're not allowed to ship. And as long as you stick to the terms and services, uh, we're we're fine. You're fine. But our agreements with the shipping providers also um, are clear that we're not liable for the things that our customers ship. So every customer is recognized as a separate customer okay. with the shipping providers. But it's it's our job to like make sure that our customers know what the terms and services are okay. provided by the shipping provider. And so the alligator is on there. The alligator like is, on your website. Um, maybe in the in the fine prints. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, the allig- like it's it's part of the USPS terms and services, the official ones. That the alligator can be shipped as long as it does not exceed twenty inches. Oh, okay, that's good. I'm wondering, like, what if it's growing while it's being shipped? It depends where it's being shipped. Yeah, it's like nineteen and a half inches, and it takes like five days. I don't know how fast alligators grow. <laughs> Probably not that fast. Maybe if it gets lost, though. Uh, that's really funny. <laughs> um, what about all these other companies, like? Um, I, I once shipped my bike from Colorado to California. Uh, are these companies like doing it on their own? Or are they just setting up like basically just this front page and then they just ship with you? Like, are you seeing all these like 
basically SEO targeted shipping. You know, mm-hmm. it's like ship your bike, ship your camera.com or, or whatever. There, there are two aspects to that question. Like if you ship something, let's say from Colorado to California, I bet there are shipping providers that are speci- like that are focused on shipping from Colorado. So for instance, here in, in San Francisco, in California, a uh, regional shipping provider is called OnTrack. On the other coast side, a regional shipping provider is called LaserShip. Then there is another one called GSO that's here. So for each region, there's shipping providers that are specialized on that particular region. And then um, there are also shipping providers focused on like certain segments. In in wine country, we have a lot of shipping providers that are just focused on shipping wine. And by having them on our platform, we're like also allowing our customers to discover shipping providers that they wouldn't discover otherwise because it's such a niche product. And mm. it's not, not only about the discovery, it's also... Yes, we're shipping a couple, like we're, we're having wine as one of our segments, but would that e-commerce store really want to go through the trouble of integrating a specialized wine shipping provider? And if we already have it, then they just need to enable it and like are able to save money there. Um, your question about whether like there are shipping providers that are specific for bikes. I think everything that's less than, I think it was 71 pounds. The normal shipping providers can ship. And then there are other shipping providers that are focused on less than truckload and stuff. Um, but it's likely that these, that these items, these SEO pages are just giving the traffic to, to normal shipping providers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh man, I got burned with that too. Shipping car tires. Mm. I'm a total sucker for this stuff. <laughs> uh, well, what? next time you can just ask me. Yeah. yeah like Definitely. more car tires like, go upstairs. that you need to ship. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Uh, what, like, do you guys, um, do you deal with insurance too? Yeah, we do. Is that do. a thing? Okay. We have insurance on top of Shippo. Oh, and the other thing that, um, is quite interesting about shipping is the tracking component. So, because, like, shipping affects conversion rates, it decreases cart abandonment if you have the right shipping options or the right shipping costs. But then after you ship your item out, it doesn't stop there. Like, customers are wondering what is happening to their item along the way, so they want to be, like, engaged with tracking numbers you want to be proactive about that versus having customers write in because if someone writes in you need a live person to like respond to that if you just sent them push notifications with our webhooks or with yeah with the webhooks about package has been shipped package um, arrived at this facility package will get to your house today like customers are going to think about your product whenever they get a notification like that and then if you send them like suggestions about what else they could buy in your store in the same email it can get them back to your website Mm. do you advise people on like best policies for handling returns because i often Mm. find that like all of these companies feel like it's their duty to like innovate on new ways to like have you send things back to them Uh, and it's like it's the worst yeah so um that's another thing that consumers like take into account before they make a purchasing decision they want to know if returns are possible and if like return shipping is free yeah so i guess like it's it's there there are two perspectives to this from the end customer perspective it would be best practice to put a shipping label right into the box and that shipping label um most likely will like we provide scan based return labels that means unless it's being scanned the merchant is not going to get charged for it so you can print a shipping label free of charge and when it scans we will charge you for it mm. um but from the merchant perspective you want to make the returns more difficult so that people are less likely to return their item because once you return it you need to figure out what to do with that returned inventory yeah so there there are two there are these two different um 
perspectives that are clashing. I would say to make it right, like what I do admire about Amazon is whenever something is not right, they will give you a free item. They will give you free returns. And that's, that's made me very happy in the past. Mm -hmm. And I would just recommend e-commerce stores to do the same unless they're seeing abuse of that on their, on their website. Mm, Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, the most famous one is REI, I guess. Like people were buying things mm. off eBay from like 15 years ago and yeah. returning it to Oh, REI. yes, 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 exactly. I mean, if you're giving people an opportunity to like cheat the system, they likely will cheat the system. Okay, so you just make <laughs> it like a little bit difficult a if little, people are abusing But it. it also, like you can also see if you're acquiring or converting the type of customers that are going to abuse the system, you're likely converting the wrong type of customers, right? Mm. You maybe are going after the wrong target audience. Hmm. Hmm. Meaning like just too broad or just off? Just yeah. too broad, off, or maybe you're having the wrong messaging on your website that is attractive to customers who are more likely to cheat the system. Okay, gotcha. So you guys are now like, what, four years old? And like three and a half. Three, three and a half years old. Yeah. And you're like 60, what do you say? 65-ish people, yeah. 65 people. Um, how are you feeling? Like, it's you know. insane. I... <laughs> It's really unbelievable. I can't I can't believe it. We um I think we got super lucky that we found a space that is fast growing. Shipping is like tied to e-commerce growth. It's still very inefficient. The technologies aren't great there. There is not that much competition. Um so it's easy to innovate in that space and to to ride on the e-commerce growth wave. And then just in terms of people, I'm just walk into the office and there are so many people there. I I need to pinch myself, but it's, it's great. Um, working with, I think working with my, having the right partner has been super helpful. Like someone who is a partner in crime who can, or like, we don't commit any crimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, who's like, who's been working with me through this for the last three and a half years. Um, and then, of course, having the right supporters inter- on the investor side as well, yeah. um, who can help me figure things out. We were also able to hire a more senior leadership team last year, so to to put the operational experience in place. Yeah. So then, what are what are you working on personally, like improving? So I am always trying to improve to be like working on how to be a better manager. Me and my co-founder, we got an executive coach a year and a half ago and are now working with the coach that's been phenomenal, like understanding how to manage people, how to motivate people, um, how to give feedback in a constructive way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about communication. That's that's the main learning from growing the team. Like communicating how, right? Because everyone will say that, right? And you're just like, yeah. be empathetic and be nice and listen to people and all that stuff. Like, no, I would say like the umbrella term for that is like, you need to be effective in your communication. And it really like, depending on what that person's like, like, I don't like... I like straightforward communication. I don't like a shit sandwich. Some people, (laughs) and that's effective with me, but then with other people, um, you might need to be, I don't know, like less, like more empathetic in your communication and, um, understanding, like understanding how to communicate to whom and then remaining authentic and being able to be comfortable with that. That's, that's, 
like that's something I'm trying to learn and improve on mm. all the time. The authenticity is the other important part. Like I want to know, or I've been trying to figure out what my personal leadership style is, how I'm most comfortable communicating and um, who I want to be, and then be like absolutely unapologetic that like this is who I am and I will walk the extra mile to this extent. But I like can't work with just everyone. Like you need to, <laughs> yeah, it, it needs to work on both ends, right? And so then when you're when you're hiring, you know, executives, managers, do you kind of like divide teams based on how they take input from each other? Or you just like, hey, you, you know, you're not very good at dealing with people who like can't handle this direct communication. Mm. So I've been, okay. So I think what worked for me very well is to be very proactive about telling people this is how I communicate and setting the expectation right that this is just how I communicate. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> and, and, um, I like, yeah, making sure that they know that I communicate like that to everyone. And one of my flaws is, for instance, that I call out that I don't celebrate wins that much. I'm always like looking at the next milestone and I'm quick to criticize, but I'm not quick to praise. And that is, that can be demotivating if people think it's them. So what I'm trying to tell people is, like this is this is my flaw and I recognize it. And if you're not getting enough praise, please do let me know because it's not it's not your fault, it's my fault. Mm. And then I don't want to put that weight entirely on me. I'm hoping that the senior leaders in my company can meet me halfway and help me with achieving my goal of like praising people more as well. So when I'm like not doing it, let me know and I will change. But please like speak up and let me know. And so then like this this comes out by having conversations with a coach or do you like journalists when you're like, oh, here's what I'm struggling with? What do you it, do? It um, comes out like the, the coach observes how I talk with my co-founder. We go. Oh, they like hang well. out and no, okay. we, me, like Simon and I, we go together to the coach. OK, um, so we sit on that couch together. It's like couples therapy, but it's, <laughs> we're co-founders. And um, then I think like I am fairly self-aware about like my shortcomings as well. And then I get that feedback from the leaders. We have um, 360 reviews and then we bring in those reviews to the coach to discuss. Mm, yeah. Okay. And have I you, think yeah. the most important part is that people shouldn't be afraid about speaking up or like bringing in like what they think could be improved and then making sure that they understand it's being heard and Either that I say, like, either that I acknowledge that this is a shortcoming and that I want to act on it, or that I acknowledge that this is happening, but I can't act on it because it would be inauthentic for me to do. Hmm. Inauthentic in that, like, that's not something, that's not how you would address that problem? Like, like I'm not sure if, what you mean. Oh, like, if it's just, if it doesn't work with my personality and I need to change just fundamentally who I am to be able to, like, act on that feedback, I guess it would be, I just don't want to pretend to be someone else at work every single day. Mm. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense. I just wonder like what, what is something that you would be like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example yeah. that doesn't sound hyperbolic. It's like, Oh, I can't be nice to that person because <laughs> I hate them. And this is inauthentic to me. No, no, no. It's, um, let me think about it. It's like on a, to stick with that, that example about praise. So I've been trying to hire people who are complimentary to me, who are like more, uh, you know, who, who 
to whom it comes more natural to praise people who have a more celebratory nature. And then with that, they're able to balance me out. And we have people like that in the company. And then instead of me having to like always pop the champagne bottle, which would feel so <laughs> okay. awkward to me, I have someone else do it, but I stand I there, it. I clap and I'm approving this. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> you just like nod nicely. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you, uh, do you read books or any of that stuff? Has, has that been like inspiring for you? Yeah. Um, the favorite book that I just read uh, a couple months ago was Shoe Dog by the Nike founder. Okay. Uh, that was, I mean, it, it wasn't written by him. It was an, a biography about the, the founder. Oh, cool. Okay. So good. Such a great book. I have the, to say that. yes, it's the best part about it was, or like what, what, what inspired me the most was like, Back then when he founded the company, communication wasn't like, it, there was no cloud, no internet, like communication was asynchronous. He had to write an email, uh, write a letter to his manufacturer in Japan. It would take like three weeks to get there. And he was sitting like back in, I think it was in Oregon or somewhere where, where he was based and just wait for a response for like an entire month. And it was mission critical and it took them a <laughs> month to get a response. Yeah. It's a very interesting, like, Looking at it from a perspective of building a startup in a pre-internet time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Who who are the other people that have inspired you? Mm, I am so I'm German originally. I'm quite inspired by Merkel as well. Mm-hmm. She, <laughs> she's a tough leader. Is that why? Like, yeah. Um, I'd say like she has her principles that she sticks to, and then she's able like to yeah. She just does not compromise on her own principles, and then. The other thing that I admire about her is like she does not conform to the stereotypes of how a female leader should be like. She work she does not need to she doesn't feel like she needs to smile a lot or like put on a lot of makeup or look anything <laughs> like what what the stereotype should be and she's very comfortable and authentic with that. Yeah. I mean do, do you enjoy talking about the female founder stuff? Or do you mm, Yes and no. So like I I think I would like it more to be just a conversation about like being the best founder or being a very good founder versus being a very good female founder. Because in the end, the market really doesn't care if you're a female founder or not. The market cares about your product. Right. Like I could, we could offer the best female founded shipping company. If there is a better like male founded shipping company, we're not going to make it. It right? doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's, that's the, that's the one side. And then I think I would love the conversation to be more about like to, be a little bit more about female accomplishments as well versus just being um, about the downsides of, of women in tech because there are a lot of great female accomplishments to point out and um, they sometimes get under in these like stories that are that are mostly harassment related. These stories need to be told. Don't get me wrong. They should be told. People should be like held <laughs> accountable for that. People should know what's happening out there. But then I would love to balance the conversation out as well with like and by encouraging to encourage other women to join the industry like there there are good stories that are happening as well mm, yeah i think it it kind of like scares certain people from exactly. even joining exactly. conversation they're yeah. like oh it's always negative like yeah. i'm never going to comment yeah totally. uh, yeah cool um all right so we've been here for like 45 minutes now oh, so wow. um uh <laughs> what uh do you have advice for people like who are just yeah. getting started like maybe even yeah like b2b like less like sexy startup yeah. stuff uh, yes. So I, I love the like less sexy space. Yeah. Because 
you're solving a real pain point. You're like more in the background. It's it's not sexy. At parties, people aren't excited <laughs> about my shipping stories. <laughs> They're like, shut up, Laura. <laughs> and uh, but still, it's it's mission critical to every business. And yeah. um, I just love building something that you know, is solving a real pain point that is a must have, not a nice to have. And then you can actually charge for that as well. Every customer that we have on Shippo is a paying customer. There is no free trial because, because it's, it's shipping. There is no free trial to shipping. And the, the lock-in effect there is very strong as well. So I would say like for, for founders just getting started, like look at solving problems that are real problems that people can't live without where there is an inefficiency that's either causing people to spend too much time or too much money right now and then any type of infrastructure business i'm like a big fan of that um on the more general side i would say for us like at the very beginning like now logistics and the shipping space is becoming more interesting to investors at the very beginning people weren't interested in in the logistics space and it's just a lot of like staying remaining persistent and then not not giving up, like always tweaking the pitch, uh, making sure that, you know, that after every no, you figure out another way to pitch it and find the next investor to pitch it to. Um, I think we wouldn't be here if we, if we, if we weren't that persistent. It's about mm. remaining persistent, but about the right things. Like sometimes you n need to know when to give up, but you need to be flexible about like how you pitch things and who you pitch it to. Mm. Did you have any like, kind of mental models you were using to to figure out what was important because you i think you i mean it's the more important thing is building the company like the raising money is kind of like yeah. tangential to a certain oh yeah extent. if you can build a company without raising money yeah no it's, it's awesome like, yes. it's a business like yes. doesn't have, everything doesn't have to be a startup but yes. um how did, how did you figure out what was the important stuff to focus on at the very beginning, it was mostly customer feedback. Like we were able to develop a bigger vision a little later in the process when we had the money to be able to sit down, take a step back and develop a bigger vision. At the beginning, it was like, this is the, the main pain point that our customers are facing and we want to solve this pain point for our customers and we need to build X to solve it. And for that, we need to raise X amount of money. And then we placed it in a bigger context, like why is shipping important um, in the e-commerce context? So we were able to tell that story about the size of the market, the growth of the market, the growth of e-commerce to investors to give them like the big picture as well of it's a fast growing space. There is a problem. Customers are liking what we've built. And by the way, this is what we've built. And <laughs> this is what we, um, what, we see the opportunity to be like in the big picture and this is how fast we're growing. Okay, cool. Uh, well then I think my last question is a uh, favorite place to go running in San Francisco. Oh, um, okay. So I normally run in Golden Gate Park from, I live in Lower Haight, so from Lower Haight into Golden Gate Park. And then if possible, I do like running at Chrissy Fields as well, but mm. it's more of a drive. Yeah, more of it. Okay. Are you training for anything? No, I, that's the one thing I do for fun and for fun only. If I like, yeah, if I sign up for a marathon or something like that, I would get into this competitive thing. <laughs> okay, cool. So All right. Perfect. Cool. All right. Thanks for coming cool. in. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening. So as always, please rate and subscribe to the show. And if you'd like to read the transcript or watch the video, those are at blog.ycombinator.com. Okay. See you next week.